welcome. If it's your first time here today, we're so glad that you came. Who's enjoying school holidays? That's really quiet. <laughs> Who's looking for school holidays to be over? Oh yeah, a little bit more noisy. <laughs> oh, so we... are entering a new series, which can I tell you I'm super excited about. Um, Probably about nine months ago, funny that that's the time frame, I did a study on discovering and activated your spiritual gifts. And when I was doing the study, I just thought, man, our church needs this. It's nothing flash, it's nothing super deep. but I just got really excited and stirred in my heart and in my spirit when I was doing it. And I thought, man, we're going we're gonna to do this together as a church. So turn to your neighbor and say, gifted. You know, I was watching this meme and it said that that's like a cringe thing. Do people cringe when they're like, oh my gosh, they're getting me to talk to my neighbor? Is it like a real thing? Yeah, I'm all good with it. I was like, really? That's a cringe thing? Nobody's? It's not a cringe thing? Okay. I actually thought it might be like a segue for the, you know, checking out your neighbour. Hey. Okay, no? Okay. There's none of that happening in this house, clearly. So, uh, oh. So it was just, yeah, discovering and activating our spiritual gifts. Why don't you turn with me to John 14, verse 12. Oh, that's funny. Just for the paper people who couldn't hear that. Can you hear that? Um, Lord, I just thank you for this this teaching, God. I just thank you for everyone who's come, Lord. Let us have ears to hear, God, Lord, um, Lord, that your heart is to equip and empower your saints, to do the work of the ministry. Lord, it's the whole reason why we're here. And so, Lord, we thank you for your graciousness, for these gifts that you've given to each and every one of us as we're going to discover today. In Jesus' name, amen. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So... I'm with you, sorry. Like, that's an exciting piece of scripture. See, Jesus performed many documented miracles throughout his time when he was here on earth. Many that we don't even know but are still recorded because they're not written in the Bible. But here he is telling us, he says, the truth, I'm telling you the truth. So he's not lying because he's not mad that he shall lie. You will do the same works. but then you would do even greater. Why? Because I'm going to be with the Father. So turn to your neighbor, cringe out. You're going to do something greater. Because I believe in you. (laughs) Now the cool thing about this is that, uh, well, I know, I'm getting ahead. Mark 16, verse 17. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. It's not might be. It says will be. 
but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Okay, so that's actually written in there. Okay, demons casting out. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick. And they may be healed, sometimes healed. Will. They will be healed. Put your hands up if you've prayed for healing over someone before. Leave your hand up if it's worked. Yeah. So in light of that, should we not pray for people because it might not work? No. We should activate our gifts and go, actually, God said we can do it. Let's practice doing it. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have access to the absolute fullness to become all, everything that God has originally intended for us to be. As stated previously, we, you, I, me, you and I, have been given the task to carry on what Jesus started. Are we up for that task today? There is a test at the end of this. <laughs> so what does this mean? That God wants to empower us. Put his super on our natural. That's what God's heart is, is to empower us to become supernatural beings. Not for our gains, not because I'm going to look awesome, but for his purpose, to draw others closer to him. See, ministering in the spirit realm, because remember we are spirit people, because we're from heaven, yes? Nobody's going to fight with me on that. You can see Chester afterwards. But we are spirit people, so we live in a different realm. We're not from here. The Word of God talks about when we fight our battles, we fight in the spirit realm. We don't fight against flesh and principalities. Flesh. But we, we fight against spiritual principal, principalities. <laughs> Get out in Jesus' name. I need deliverance from a speech demon. But that's what, he, that's what we're supposed to do. This is who we are. And I'm getting excited about it because we're walking into a time really that the church should be walking in the fullness of, but we're really just dipping our toes in the water. And so I'm giving you permission right now to make mega mistakes, to step out in faith and fall on your face and be like, oh, well, that didn't work. But if we don't have a go at it, we never get good. <laughs> Ministering in the spirit realm, like everything else in our lives, should flow from our own personal relationship with Jesus. Not from Saris, not from Jacks, not from Kent, not from Joe from your own personal relationship with Jesus. The supernatural cannot become more important than our relationship with him. So that is our first challenge. Now the cool thing about God is that he's a father, he's our father, 
He's a good father. He has good gifts to give us. In Matthew 7, 11, he says, even the wicked know how to give their children good things. So why would I, a good father, not want to give you good things? So why? Let's turn to Acts chapter 3. I'm going to do a little bit of reading. Uh, I think on the thing it's NIV, but I'm just going to read my NKJ. (laughs) I love you, Mark. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they'd laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John Peter, said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I, I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging at the begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now what I love about this scripture, apart from this lame man got to walk and he praised Jesus and then he did it in the face of all the religious people, is that Peter and the boys weren't going to a conference, they weren't going to a special meeting, they were about there every day. Hey bro, let's go to the temple. So they meet up, they're walking past. The layman's at the temple asking for alms again, he's begging for money. It's not his first time there, he's been there. This has happened on the regular for them. So what's different this time? Well, Acts 3 comes after Acts 2. What happens in Acts 2? Jesus is dead. He gives his disciples instructions. Go to the upper room. Don't leave until what I have for you comes. Church, go to the upper room and don't leave until what I have for you comes. Do you want it? I want this so bad for us. I don't want just a taste. I want the fullness of it. I was thinking about, um, so I was a midwife for a number of years, and uh, when you're working in the area, you have to be very careful about your, really your faith, what you say to people. And, but I had this one girl, she was um, really struggling And she ended up chasing me down a little bit, and she sent me this message. And she said, hey, I don't know what it is about you, but I feel like you have something that I need. So there's been no God talk in my clinic. There's no, you know, leading to salvation, prayer, nothing. 
But I just get this random message from one of my beautiful ladies that's like, man, I don't know what it is about you, but you've got something that I need. And I'm really sorry if I sound crazy. So that's talking total Christian lingo to me. I'm like, oh, oh girl, I got what you need. How? Just doing the daily. You know, and it was my privilege to meet with her a couple of times and lead her to the Lord. And she now serves in this house with her children. All the time. Why? Because I went to work. Go to work! (laughs) But God is always calling to his people. He doesn't shut up about it. He wants you. He wants your neighbor. He wants your work colleague, the one that you hate and you secretly cuss about, and you're just like, God, you just need to fall on them, you know? (laughs) He wants them. He loves them. He died for them. We could be the them. Just put that in context with what's happening today. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, why is it that we read about all these stories and Jesus doing these miracles, the disciples doing them, and we just read and we're just like, God, where is that in my life? Do you think it could be that actually we, each and every one of us, know that deep inside us, that is actually how we're supposed to live? That there is an innate desperation to do that, to impart that, to give that gift to people. I believe it is. I think it's something inbuilt in us. Sorry. Who's received a word from the Lord through somebody? Yeah. Who found it encouraging? I hope everyone puts their heads up. (laughs) Because it should be. (laughs) Who felt seen? Because imagine going through life, like Jay was talking about this morning, no hope, feeling completely unseen by everyone around you, and then some rando comes up to you in the supermarket aisle, or in Kmart, says, oh, I'm sorry, but you don't know me. Everyone goes, oh, here we go. But God just spoke to me about you, and I believe he just wants you to know that he sees you and that he loves you. What a gift. Why don't you say gifted? Gifted. Gifted. It makes people aware that there is a creator who created each and every one of us, who sees us. He sees our own intimate plights, our own intimate lives. And I, what a gift. And some of it looks different. I don't know, did anyone get along to Tamrat? You know, what a gift to the body of Christ to be able to identify. He didn't do a lot of it this time, but last time particularly. He just had your birthday. What do these dates mean to you? What is this date if they are a wedding anniversary? But man, really? God's told you that about me? That's powerful. I want to know more about that, God. 
Well, you've just planted a little, you know, who's this God? Why does he care about me? We need to let people know that, we are, that they are seen. As we read earlier, Jesus has commissioned us to go into the world and that signs will follow. So in Mark 16, signs here means a signature or seal applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity. A sign. Now according to Rick Renner, the word signs comes from the Greek word <laughs> oh, um, simeon, which describes the official written notice that announced the final verdict of a court. It also described the signature or seal applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity and a sign that marked key locations in a city. It's like in our money, we have the water stripe in there that tells us that it's authentic. It's a real note. It's not counterfeit or fraudulent. It's real. It authenticates it. If it's not there, the money has no value. It's fake. Sometimes it can be like, you know how someone might have distinctive perfume or a distinctive smell about them and they've come in a room but they've left a room but you can sense that they've been in there. It's a sign, a seal of authenticity. Signs and wonders are important. Why? Because Jesus did them. So, shall we? <laughs> Elijah, he miraculously raised a widow's son from the dead. And he is in the Old Testament. But just like the sign of authenticity and money, the supernatural confirms the word of God. So when we give someone a word of encouragement or whatever our gift might be, it says, hey, God is real. What God said in his word is real. All the stuff we read about in here, it's real. Who needs signs and wonders following them? I don't want to be no mediocre Christian. I want to move in power and authority. And I want God to know that Jesus loves them and that he's talking about them because he cares about you. In Matthew 24, verse 14, it says, And this gospel for the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So in the Greek, this word witness means something evidential, with proof, with evidence. It gives us a picture of a witness in a courtroom. The witness has been called out and to tell the truth. The signs are the witness testifying on your behalf about your faith. In other words, someone to verify its authenticity. This is why we have gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the best thing about having these gifts is that everybody gets to play. You know how you have games, not everyone can play. This is a game everybody can play. You don't have to sing, you don't have to be fit, you don't have to be anything, you simply have to be breathing. Yeah. Huh. So, 
it also says here, I just wrote, some of us are completely unaware that there are spiritual gifts. Does anyone fit into that category? Okay, no, cool. Some of us are completely unaware that those spiritual gifts are available to me. Anybody? Sometimes we think it's just for the preacher up the front or the pastor or the teachers or the, you know, the fivefold ministry. But I'm here to tell you guys, it's for you. You. You, 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 you. It's like being on Oprah. You've come to the Oprah show today and we're doing a massive giveaway. Guess what? You've won. <laughs> I wish there were brand new cars under your seats, but they wouldn't fit. So, But you know, you've got the gift and you've got the gift and you've got it. And everyone's like, ah. Everybody gets to play this game. Everybody gets a gift. Nobody is exempt. Nobody. Yes, the person who's saying, no, I'm exempt, Pania. No, you're not. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, in verses 1 and 2, just about some things regarding the spiritual gifts. And he says, oh, shall I read it? Oh, paper. It's chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, my brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. (laughs) Oh, I love Paul. One, we can be ignorant in these gifts. So he's saying, don't be. Don't be ignorant and negligent in your gifts. The Greek word here is Ignoio, meaning not to know, not to understand, or to be wrong about. So watch out. We can get this wrong. So we do need to be careful. He also challenges us in verse 31. He says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. You know, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Here he's going, covet your heart out. Be hungry, be passionately desiring. I want that gift. Let's get at it. Why do we have spiritual gifts? Because spiritual gifts help the church grow in power and in strength. And when we discover our own spiritual gifts, it helps us to gain clarity on our own unique role in the kingdom. So our heart is that we activate and mobilize you. Because if it was all about me and Kent, we're in big trouble, guys. (laughs) We were in big trouble. But when we do this together, my gift with your gift, with your gift, with your gift, man, powerful, Beautiful. What a sight to behold. A church fully functioning how she should be. None of us putting each other down because their gift is better. But eagerly desiring it. 
to encourage each other as we learn together what these gifts mean. We don't even really get to them today, sorry. You just have to keep tuning on. And, but, you know, sometimes we can go through life and we can just be like, man, there has to be more to life than my nine to five, than my getting up every day, doing the washing, doing the laundry, going to work, raising kids, raising a family. These are all great things. But there is a greater purpose that God has put in each and every one of us. And today, we want to talk about it. We want to activate it. We want to be curious about it. Start asking questions about it. Start taking it through the week with us while we're praying in the car. You know, our cars should be the most mobile prayer units in the planet. People should get into our cars and be like, oh, what goes on in here? Not because there's a funky smell from leftover takeaways but because there's a residue, there's a residue sitting in our cars and our vehicles that says something powerful happens in here. Because we're a room full of atmosphere changes. We're powerful. <laughs> you are powerful. You are powerful. <laughs> We are created for more. And that's something great that we long for is in us. And yes, you have been created for that. I don't know what it is. That's your job to discover. And one thing just like that, I just want to point out as we go forward, you know, just like that dollar note that's been authenticated through that water strike, God has authenticated each and every one of us, and we are valuable before the gift is opened and after the gift is opened. There's no changing in our value, but there is change in our effectiveness for the kingdom. Our value doesn't change. You don't automatically become better than someone or less than someone, but we become more effective in the kingdom. So it was really hard to know where to finish because we're totally laying down this foundation. And this whole idea of gifted is that when we come to know Jesus on that day, it's one of the greatest days of our lives. The second greatest day of our life is the day we figure out why. And God has given us each a gift. He's going, Joe, here's your gift. Oh, thanks, Lord. You know, and we've used this analogy a number of times. But your job, church, this week, as we go and think about this, is to go, God, what is my gift? And when he places it in your lap, you have to open it. Spiritual gifts don't naturally unwrap. You've got to, you've got to tear off that paper. You've got to look at it. You've got to play with it. You've got to figure it out. Oh, can it do this? Oh, no, it can't do that. Oh, but it can do this. Oh, and it's like, and it's like, it's like what Joe does, or it's like what some of the people who pray for us on a Sunday, you know, but it's not quite like that. It's because we're not the same. We are not the same. So we're going to stand, and I want you to hold out your hands. See, in Ephesians 4 verse 7, it says, however, 
He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Church, there is nothing that you can do that's going to give you this gift. This is not because you've been a good person. It's just because God is a gracious God and he's given it to you. So, hold out your hands because God's got a gift for you this morning. You can have more than one of them, but you can only use the ones that you open. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are a good, good Father, that you're gracious to us, Lord, and that you, Lord, you're taking us on this journey of learning about your spiritual gifts that you've given each and every one of us, Lord. And right now, Lord, with our hands open, we receive this gift, God. Lord, and as we go today, God, we make a decision to unwrap this gift with you this week. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to show us, that you would begin to guide us, that we would be able to step out in faith and use this gift to tell somebody that there is a heavenly Father who sees them and who's thinking about them, to encourage a brother or sister, to bring comfort, to bring light in the darkness, to bring hope where there has been no hope. Thank you, Jesus. The only prerequisite for these gifts is that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And my prayer is that if you don't know who Jesus is, can I tell you, he is the bomb diggity. He is the best decision that I ever made in my entire life. He is extremely gracious to me. And he is just really the best thing. And I'd love to introduce you to him today, if that is you. But if you're holding on to that gift this morning, church, and you haven't ever opened it, man, go home, open that gift, get excited about it, let it stir in your spirit. Don't tuck it away and think about it for another time. Who does that? Who gets given a present and tucks it away? Anybody here? No, I didn't think so. Rip the present open. Get excited about it. Shake it around. Throw it up and down. Test it. What does it do? And then we're going to continue this journey. Remember, it's not about us. We are gifted to be a gift. We are gifted to be a gift. So as we are gifted, we gift. Amen? Amen.